Hey there, I'm Everett. I'm Baron. And welcome to Bro, Bro Have, Have You Seen? Special episode. What's entertaining you, Deluxe Premium? Alright. Hey, bro. How's it going, bro? Pretty good. Pretty good. Cool. We're recording this little mini episode as a bonus to all you quarantinees out there. Yeah. Uh, we are among you and we feel your pain. And we just wanted to share this little episode about some recommends, some uh, things that have been entertaining us lately, or just general um, things to check out on streaming or wherever that you may encounter entertainment. And we want to share it with you because we know how hard it is to be quarantined. We're all just kind of banging our heads against the wall because uh, we yeah. can't leave our homes. Uh, <laughs> thanks a lot, coronavirus. But at least it gives us a chance to check out some really awesome content mm -hmm. that we might not otherwise get a chance to. Uh, I mentioned in our episode about our five from the 50s that it's really given me an opportunity to check out some of the longer runtime movies. Movies with the longer runtimes, like two and a half, three, three and a half. Yeah our uh ventures and i definitely have a couple longer ones that i want to share with all of y'all but yeah let's dig into it baron okay yeah let's go so we kind of came up with just a few categories of ones that have been entertaining us as well as you know some stuff we've watched in the past but uh as for you know a couple genres we have comedy specials so you know always good to have a good comedy special something funny something to you know, forget the cares of the world. Yeah. Uh, one I watched a little while ago was John Mulaney's uh, and the Sack Lunch Bunch. It's uh, on Netflix. And it's very funny. It's super nostalgic of, like, all his classic uh, TV shows, like 90s, early 2000s shows. Everything down to, like, the transitions and music numbers. And it's all very well art-directed and very well written. And the comedy by John Mulaney is excellent. I know you're a big John Mulaney fan. Mm -hmm. um, you definitely kind of turned me on to him. And uh, we also watched New in Town a little bit ago. It's on Netflix. Those are both on Netflix. So New in Town was really good. Uh, was that his first, like, I think that was his first special. Yeah, at yeah. least the one on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. So I've been meaning to watch the other ones. I've seen bits from, like, Kid Gorgeous and stuff like that. But um, And then uh, you said, you know, we can always recommend Bo Burnham. He's he's great. Yeah. Uh, what and Make Happier. It's two of our probably favorite comedy specials. So. Yeah, I've seen What, like... I've seen what a few times, but I've listened to it like a billion times, yeah, and I same. know every beat to that stand-up special. Bo Burnham is really unique just because he makes songs and he performs them as part of his, his act. Mm -hmm. They're really funny songs. Some of them, most of them actually hit like some pretty serious notes in there. So it's like, it's this weird, I don't know, like it's informative. It's like kind of uplifting. It's kind of like sad at times, but... Nonetheless, it's constantly funny. I love Bo Burnham. Yeah. Can't recommend him enough. Yeah. Some of his stuff's a little bit more explicit, so, uh, <laughs> you know, if you're... Just be wary. If you're Don't watch it with out. the kiddos around. Yeah. But you can watch uh, Sack Lunch Bunch with the kids. It's a good one. Yeah. 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 What what kind of uh, comedy specials would you recommend these All days? right. Well, I'm a big stand-up comedy fan. Yeah. I watch, like, most of the specials on Netflix that yeah, I see. Yeah, I definitely haven't seen very many. Yeah, that look gener generally interesting. Um, or just like random stand-up comedians. I tune in every now and then to like Joe Rogan podcasts and especially when he has stand-up comedians on because 
he's a stand-up comedian. So, like, mm. I feel like his conversations with other stand-up comedians are more interesting than his conversations with, like, random people where he, like, tries to be way smarter than he is sometimes. Anyway, uh, I guess if you're interested, side recommend uh, Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's a good podcast. Joe Rogan Experience. He's been doing it forever. Guarantee there's someone on there that you know that you like, that you're interested in hearing more from. He had one with Elon Musk. Yeah, I like that know. episode. That's a good one. He has them with, like, political people. He did one with Bernie Sanders. He does them with Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro. Um, he did a lot of stand-up comedians. He did one with yeah. Edward Norton recently, nice. and I really liked that. Anyway, he's he's good. Just kind of a long-form interview. But, yeah, uh, my couple of stand-up specials that I really like, I've watched them a couple times recently, uh, was Ronnie Chang. It's called Ronnie Chang, Asian Comedian Destroys America. Nice. He's really funny. He's from uh, Crazy Rich Asians, that movie. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. kind of the comic relief side character in that movie. Who are you? The, like, optimal angles guy. Yeah. He's really funny in that movie, but his stand-up special is hilarious. Love it. And then another stand-up comedian that is relatively new, I think. Like, she's pretty much brand new. Her name's Taylor Tomlinson. Um, she's perfect for, like that Gen Z age like me who, you know, a little bit younger can uh, appreciate some, you know, more modern type jokes, but also just like her style. I don't know. She just has, I I watched her special once and I thought it was really funny. And then I kind of listened to it in the background. It wasn't quite as funny. So there's those stand up comedians that their material is better to watch. And I think Mm, she's one of them. Just like her persona on stage is really, uh, really good um i like her act a lot so nice cool um sweet yeah check out any of those um comedy specials always good stuff okay so the next little genre here is documentaries uh i I think i would consider myself a documentary type of guy i like watching all kinds of docs um maybe i haven't seen as many as i thought i originally had but i'm always interested in checking out new ones and I've recently discovered a new like type, kind of subset of, of documentaries. They're a little bit more art house. Um, they come from Harvard's Sensory Ethnography Lab, which I wasn't really familiar with before I watched um, these next two documentaries. But they're very interesting because, you know, documentaries can get kind of cookie cutter and a little bit boring. They kind of seem all the same at some point. I mean, they tell different stories, so they're always informative. But if you're looking for something a little bit more art-directed or interesting or about a really specific, maybe niche type of topic, um, they do really good work. And I guess ethnography is like study or whatever of like culture. Like it's very specific on different types of cultures or traditions or maybe like lost art form type stuff. So this one I watched is called Sweetgrass from 2009. And it's directed by like a couple people, and I think their names are pretty hard to pronounce. So, uh, but it's by the SEL. But it's really interesting. Um, I, I found that like the filmmakers didn't really have an argument or like a side they were trying to prove. It was just kind of it's about um, these sheep herders herding their sheep from their ranch up through like this crazy hard mountain pass in Montana to the summer pasture. It's like really intense and. Uh, pretty crazy journey they have to go through. Uh, but it was really interesting. I've never, like, you know, seen anything like that with, I mean, we live around the area, so, um, like, a lot of the terrain is familiar to me where, like, our cabin is and stuff like that. So it was really cool, but 
just the really like slice of life, candid, all the conversations. They don't have like interviews with the people. It's like just super laid back. It feels like home video at times almost. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way they use like different types of cutting and it's just like the whole process of making the documentary feels very fresh to me and it's really exciting. And so I've been wanting to dive into more of their stuff because they've done so many uh, different documentaries and short films. And the other one that I watched is called Leviathan, and this is from 2012. And this might be like one of my new favorite movies, like, <laughs> and movie experiences I've had in a long time. Uh, super transformative. Uh, people always say, oh, I watched this one movie and then I realized you could make a film like that. And I feel a little bit like that with Leviathan. The way the camera was used in such unique ways, which I'm like a big camera guy and stuff like that. And it's just such a crazy experience. Like I just, I still haven't really come to grips with it quite yet. I'm still processing it. But it's about a, a fisher boat uh, off the coast of like New England. It's just mm-hmm. like kind of shows the grueling work of those guys catching fish and cutting them up for uh, shipping them off for sale and stuff. And it's pretty interesting. It doesn't really, people say it has like a, a side of like labor, like a thing against labor and against the fishing industry, but I didn't really think there was too much of like a standpoint. It was just kind of another slice of life type of type of deal. Mm. But just the way it was so like art, like directed, like art house is much different than any other documentary I've ever seen before. And kind of a lot of similar things with Sweetgrass. Just very, very interesting. Something I've never seen and like I said, something I am very interested in rewatching and checking out uh, the rest of that, uh, the work of these people. So Nice, that's cool. It's really cool. I highly recommend Leviathan. It's available on the Criterion channel. You can get a, a two-week trial of that. They just added Sweetgrass, Leviathan, and there's another one called Cannaba, which is about like cannibalism that I started watching. It's pretty weird. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Also, there's tons of other great stuff on there that we'll probably talk about later that's on there as well. But definitely yeah. get a two-week trial on there and check out anything that you want. I mean, we've always talked about Criterion on here and the channel. Yeah. Maybe another good documentary that uh, just came to mind is called Salesman. It's oh, nice. pretty old. It's one of like the first documentaries that really started that um, format at least in the way that we know today. Yeah. And it's really good. It's about these Bible salesmen who go out every day kind of knocking door to door or not necessarily door to door, but they have to go follow leads of people who might want a Bible. And so they have to try and sell them. And, and these guys are just not that good at selling at all. And, uh, it's humorous to watch, but it's also kind of sad because that's their livelihood. And it's just like, I, I did a uh, summer sales last year. Um, kind of through like my cousin's company he's one of the higher ups in one of those like pest control and uh yeah like the the modern day door-to-door sales it feels when i watched that it felt so similar to what i did in the summer so anyway uh for anyone who has done sales before or is interested or just wants to watch a good doc about some guys selling bibles uh it's a good one yeah uh can i add one more doc to the to the list here sure. uh, another early one that's you know if you're interested in documentaries as a form in general uh the thin blue line by earl oh, yeah. morris it's definitely one of the pioneering documentaries uh it's about it's like a true crime mystery type deal and it i also that one just the way that it was put together was 
a lot more carefully done and thought thought out more than you know the more traditional like I said cookie cutter esque type of deals just the way they recreated different um, parts of the events and it's just it's very very cool uh, and that's a another Errol Morris is a big documentary director I watched uh, a brief history of time as well it's another good one about Stephen Hawking so he's got a collection on the Criterion Channel so mm-hmm. yep. Lots yeah. of good stuff. <laughs> cool. And then I have one more documentary that okay. I wanted to highlight. It's a modern one, and it's super interesting. Uh, I saw it on Hulu, and I read the little blurb, and I was interested. And so I turned it on, and then it like kind of does a whole 180 on you in the middle of the movie, where it kind of goes down this rabbit hole that you never would have expected. It's insane. It's called Tickled. Um, so I think the blurb... It talks about how this journalist, he investigates uh, these videos that are online that are called competitive endurance tickling. Gosh. <laughs> it's these dudes who, like, tickle each other and see how long they can last or whatever. It's super weird. Uh, but he starts investigating it, and he kind of uncovers this, like, underground crime ring of these, like, sketchy, powerful dudes who, like, have Jeez. a ton of money, and they, like... They just pump tons of money into this tickling video industry, and it's this weird subculture online that, like, it's so crazy that these people exist and, like, that that stuff's going on, but it's so interesting to watch. Uh, Highly recommend it. I know a lot of people have been talking about it lately, so if you haven't checked it out yet, I highly recommend it. It's on Hulu, I believe, still, so. Nice, yeah. You were telling me about that a while ago, and it sounds pretty weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Um, And then, so, the last little side genre that I wanted to talk about in terms of this whole quarantine business, uh, just before we get into, like, the main movies that have been entertaining us, this is kind of primarily a movie podcast, but uh, there are some TV shows out there that I love and that you love that we kind of wanted to highlight. If you're looking for something to binge, if you're looking for something to take up a lot of time, Mm -hmm. uh, that it's interesting and you know, entertaining. So my, one of my favorite TV shows of all time is called Suits. Uh, it's about these New York lawyers and this big, big law firm, you know, they, their clients are like billionaires and stuff and they're just breaking these huge deals and, you know, trying to kind of bend the rules of the law without like fully breaking them. Cause they do have like some moral integrity a little bit. And, uh, it's just really cool to see these guys like how they, you know, they're just so smart and they always stay one step ahead of the other side. And uh, the main story follows this kid. He's kind of a a young man in his 20s and uh, he has like a photographic memory, like perfect. He can remember literally anything he's ever read. And uh, apparently he passed the bar one time um, without even like going to law school. Jeez. And uh, so he gets hired to this law firm and he becomes kind of a protege, even though he hasn't gone to law school. So it's technically illegal to hire him because he doesn't have a law degree. Um, but they do it anyway because he's so good and he captures the other main guy, Harvey, his attention. And so the whole story is kind of about them. You know, he's learning the ropes of the law industry while also trying not to get caught. And there's several seasons, I think it's all on Amazon Prime. Uh, Prime Video, so I would highly, highly recommend it. It's really funny. It's really entertaining. There's some drama. Um, you know, Princess Meghan, Meghan Markle, she was in that show oh, yeah, uh, back nice. in the day. 
before she became the princess. So, yeah, um, or the duchess or whatever. But it's super good. I would highly recommend it. Nice. Um, a show I just thought of, actually, uh, I believe it's still on Netflix. It's called The Killing. It's a, like a true crime mystery series. I think it's one crime over two seasons, and then there's a third season that's uh, like another crime, and then the fourth season uh, kind of fell off a little bit. Not as good, got picked up by a different production company, but the first two seasons are super good. It's uh, this kind of more seasoned uh, investigator lady, and this like newbie kid, and more like, you know, young young lad. And there's a mis- uh, murder of a young teen girl, and the two seasons kind of unfold um, as they're trying to track down what happened. And there's a bunch of political things going on in the, in the town that takes place in Seattle. So mm. it's pretty, pretty bismal, dismal, 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 dismal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not bismal. It's kind of dismal, a little dark, but, uh, the two characters, some of their banter is pretty funny and, uh, provides comic relief, but it's a really good, uh, I think it's like TV 14. It's a good, like, you know, entry level kind of, kind of true crime one that I'd want to, nice. I'd recommend for kinda sure. Kind of reminds me of Twin Peaks. Nice. Also, really good yeah, TV really show. Watch I've mentioned well. before. It's really great. Nice. David Lynch. Cool. And then, uh, comedy sitcom. My favorite, probably sitcom ever. New Girl. Uh, it stars nice. Zoe Deschanel. It's got you know Jake Johnson, who's been in a lot of stuff. He's Peter B. Parker from Into the Spider Verse. Oh, nice. He's been in a lot of stuff. He's really really funny in it. Uh, and Zoe Deschanel is hilarious, as well as the other actors. I can't remember all their names, but. Uh, yeah, it's really funny. There's probably six or seven seasons, and I've watched it a few times. It's hilarious. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's a sitcom. It's really good. It's kind of light, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not looking for something too heavy, mm-hmm. like The Killing or, you know, Suits is a little bit heavier, then uh, that's where I would go if I was you. Cool. Uh, just another recommend would be it's, a, it's an anime. It's a pretty well-known and well, uh, highly regarded one. Uh, it's Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I haven't watched the original Full Metal Alchemist, but I heard Brotherhood more closely follows the original like manga type stuff. So um, it's very good. I watched that a little while ago. It's I think it's four or five seasons long. Super duper interesting. So good. It's uh, full of heart, and it's also pretty violent at times. And just has such a good plot, uh, just unfolds over a couple seasons, and I, I think it's pretty bingeable. I mean, I binged most of it in within a couple weeks, and then took a little break, came back, finished it up. But it's a really great one, and there's other ones like One Punch Man and stuff, and Cowboy Bebop that only really have one season, and then they're done. So stuff like that, pretty easy, bingeable. If you're, I mean, if you're into that stuff, you probably already watched it. So because they're, they're like the most well-known ones, but mm-hmm. those are widely available on Netflix and. Uh, I think they're all on Netflix. Cowboy Bebop's on Hulu, but... Sweet. Yeah. Cool. All Epic. right, man. Well, let's kind of transition over yeah. a little bit into our typical segment of our what has been entertaining us this week. Um, we typically focus on movies, but of course you can highlight anything you want. Um, lately, I mean, I work still amidst all this quarantine. I work like by myself out in the field i've mentioned that before so i listen to a lot of podcasts audiobooks just yeah. want to throw out a couple uh off the top there's an audiobook that i've actually mentioned before as well <laughs> easy riders raging bulls 
by Peter Biskind. It's uh, really good. Tells the story of the 70s uh, in Hollywood and how those, you know, more auteur directors kind of changed the scene, uh, changed the game. You got, you know, Francis Ford Coppola. You got Peter Bogdanovich. Martin Scorsese comes in a little bit later. You know, Dennis Hopper. All these guys who are pretty famous and well-known for making some of the best movies that we've ever had. Uh, and so it's a really good book. It's long. The one I, the version I'm listening to is the unabridged one. So it's like 23, 24 hours of a listen, which is really good if you're working long hours or if you, you know, just need something to listen to in the background when you're doing stuff. Highly recommend. Uh, and then of course, like the film spotting podcast, uh, don't nice. want to really recommend too much <laughs> a competitor. <laughs> no. no, but there's such no. a behemoth in the podcasting film podcasting world. And I listen to them like almost daily. They're so good and interesting. It's like everything that I would aspire to be as a, <laughs> as a podcaster. But uh, at the same time, uh, they, they're really informational. They're funny. And they provide, you know, an interesting, diverse range of films to think yeah. about and learn. So nice. Anyway, do you have any like sort of side recommends off the top real quick that aren't movie related? Yeah, uh, I've been chipping away at this book. It's really short. But I just don't read very much. <laughs> but I've been reading this one called Magic in the Movies, uh, the story of special effects. It's by Jane O'Connor and Kathy Hall, or Katie Hall, my bad. Um, they're just two, like, grad college grads, just, like, uh, writers and film enthusiasts, stuff like that. Um, and this book just kind of goes through the history of special effects, kind of uh, starts early in the beginning of movies in the 1910s and 20s, stuff like that. Uh, talks about film in general, how all that stuff works, and goes from movies like King Kong to Jaws and Godzilla, stuff that I've talked about on the show before. But it's hmm. it's really good. Uh, if you're into special effects, anything like that, it's a, probably a must-read to get some good background info on you know general techniques of special effects. It's helped me, as I watch movies, be able to know like what's a matte painting, what's a glass painting, what's a you know miniature, what's, you know... All that type of stuff, difference between those types of things, and it, I, special effects have really helped me appreciate a lot of movies that are older, because um, it's really impressive what people can do, mm-hmm. even though now it might be dated and you might think you could do it yourself, but it's really take really takes a lot of work to do that kind of stuff. It was very painstaking to do a lot of those early special effects, and even mm-hmm. now with digital effects, I mean people still spend dozens of hours doing digital effects. Yeah. So, but that's a really good book. Um, that's cool. I recently watched a documentary about Tom Savini, who's kind of like the godfather of horror special effects, and like the gore that you see in Mm -hmm. horror movies. He like kind of jump-started a lot of that in the 70s. Uh, Good documentary. It was on Shudder, that streaming, horror streaming channel that I've talked about before. Cool. Uh, Yeah, I will mention my first one. The, I uh, talked about how I've been watching some longer movies. Mm -hmm. And last night, I finally decided to watch one from one of my favorite directors of all time. Uh, it was one of his first movies, and it's a little over three hours. features a great ensemble cast. Uh, it's got Philip Seymour Hoffman, Tom Cruise, William H. Macy, Julianne Moore, Philip Baker Hall, John C. Riley, just a bunch Dang. of people. Uh, it's directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, and it's none other than Magnolia. Nice. Super good. Like, I love PTA. Every time I watch a PTA movie, I'm reminded how much I love his movies. And 
Uh, Magnolia was one of those. I'm personally not a big fan of Boogie Nights. I don't really mm. get what a lot of people see in that. Um, it's pretty good, but it's definitely, I would not put it as one of his best. I think his best is probably The Master. Um, but I also really love Punch Drunk Love, Phantom Thread, and now Magnolia. And there it's will really be blood. Great. There will be blood. I always forget <laughs> that's him too. That that's the only amazing. one I've seen, so of course I'll remember it. <laughs> yeah. So far. Um, yeah, so I really like all those movies. Um, I saw Inherent Vice once, but I definitely need to revisit that because I think I missed I missed the point of that one. I missed, kind of missed the boat on it. But yeah, Magnolia, it's great. Features some great performances. I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson, he's always working with the best of the best. So um, it's great to see a movie by him. It, uh, it is long, but I find it really interesting. The first half has a really high energy and there's quite a bit of tension built in. And then the second half, it's like intentionally really slowed down. Mm. And you start to really like get the introspection and the themes start coming out to the forefront. And it just becomes a really beautiful and moving picture. Just all about, you know, regret and connection with other people and truth and facing the truth and confronting, you know, uh, being honest about who you are and what you've done. So, yeah, it's really, really great. Highly recommend that one. Nice. Magnolia. Um, one from a director that I like, that I watched, finally got around to, was um, I've seen a few of his other movies. Uh, definitely still have a couple to go. But this one was really good. Uh, pretty creepy, very interesting, uh, really good story, very fairy tale like And this is Pan's Labyrinth from Guillermo del Toro. Nice. Um, I've seen Hellboy and... Uh, Pacific Rim, and what was the other one that I saw? His, I think that might be it. Probably. Um, he hasn't directed too many movies. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch Devil's Backbone and Kronos, but uh, and Shape of Water, you've seen that one. Mm. I forgot that was directed by him. But uh, yeah, um, not too much to say about Pain's Labyrinth. I mean, I haven't really written a full review of it yet on Letterboxd, but I watched it a few days ago. Uh, I quite enjoyed it. It was pretty good. Uh, like I said, it really felt like a good twisted dark fairy tale story. Uh, has some crazy, like not crazy, but had some pretty good violence in there uh, that I wasn't maybe necessarily expecting. I didn't really know what to yeah. expect. I've been wanting to watch it for maybe like four years now, uh, and I've just always heard great things about it. I heard it's really creepy and weird, and definitely was a uh, very very good one. Nice. Yeah, I've seen I've seen Pan's Labyrinth. It was super weird. Uh, my roommate when I was watching it, he actually like speaks Spanish fluently. And so he could kind of listen to it in the background. Uh, and then he, he looks up and there's that creepy dude with the eyes on the yeah. palms of his hands. And he's like, what are you watching? <laughs> like, what is this? Uh, it's really weird. It's wacky. Del Toro famous for his special effects, his creature yeah. designs. Uh, I thought shape of water was pretty good, yeah. but the music is amazing. Like I listened to that score oh, yeah. all the time and, uh, yeah, uh, I really like his movies. I saw half of Devil's Backbone, and I just, like, mm -hmm. I was never able to finish it. And I think now it's off of the streaming yeah. service that I watched it on. But cool. Good recommend, dude. Yeah, man. The other thing I saw recently, speaking of foreign cinema. Oh, nice. Okay, so this director, I've seen two of his films before. And uh, he has kind of this trilogy 
had, uh, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about quite yet. Oh, I'm trying to think. But um, he has his trilogy, and I'm actually, like, I've been watching it backwards. So I watched the third one first, and then the second one is probably the most well-known one. Super famous. Um, so it's by a Korean director named Park Chan-wook, and it's called Old Boy. Oh, nice. Uh, Park Chan-wook's movies, so I've seen Handmaiden and... Sympathy for Lady Vengeance, or just Lady Vengeance, I don't know. Sometimes the title is different on different things that you see. But uh, Lady Vengeance is actually the third one of the series, and then Old Boy is the second one. Yeah, I forgot they were a trilogy. Yeah, and then there's Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, which was the first one, which uh, stars the dad from Parasite. Yeah. Forget his name. Song Kang Ho. Song Kang Ho. Yeah. So anyway, Old Boy is really cool. It's about this guy who's wrongfully uh, put in prison for like 15 years and he breaks out and kind of goes on a revenge John Wick style. This was like John Wick before John Wick. Uh, Really, really good. The main actor is phenomenal. Uh, The, the, you know, the action, the violence, the choreography is all really well done. He's kind of, his character is iconic for wearing these like dorky little sunglasses and he's, he carries like a hammer, uh, your typical carpenter's hammer. And uh, he uses that to, uh, you know, hit people very violently. Nice. It's pretty intense. Park Chan-wook's movies, to me, sometimes feel a little bit long in the second act. There's always a moment that it kind of slows down for me. Um, but then the ending always kind of brings it back around. Sometimes they're a little confusing to follow. Um, but I thought Old Boy was probably hit one of his best ones. I think The Handmaiden, I think I still like that one better than old boy but they're super very <laughs> two very different movies so i would highly recommend old boy nice on the note of uh south korean movies i watched snowpiercer which i talked about last week and that's a bong joon ho uh if you get if you've seen parasite definitely check out uh snowpiercer i think i thought that one was really good as well i was trying not to draw too many parallels between them because <laughs> i wanted to you know judge it as its own movie and Parasite hadn't come out yet, of course, because Snowpiercer came out in, like, 2012, 2013. But uh, I also started Okja by Bong Joon-ho. I haven't finished that one yet, but I've been meaning to get around to that one. Uh, another good South Korean one is A Taxi Driver. I can't remember the director because he's not, like, one of the main ones, I don't think. But that stars uh, Song Kang-ho as well, and it's so good. He's, that one is maybe, like, my favorite performance of his. Like, hmm. he's so good. He can just, on a dime, switch from, like, super intense to like really emotional like he's just super great actor in that movie has a great performance nice great story as well yeah i've started getting more into korean films as i'm sure tons of people yeah after a big conversation right now yeah after the big parasite oscar wins it pulled like what six oscars i think yeah it was a lot it's crazy breaking yeah so those are a few other ones i've watched so far but i haven't watched any park chan wook ones but Park Chan Wook, Park Chan Wook, 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 Wook. He uh, he produced uh, Snowpiercer, so him and Bong Joon Ho are like buds, you know. Yeah, man. (laughs) And those are kind of the two big dogs that at least Americans know. Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. My next one, I'll try to be brief on these other ones. Those were the two I really wanted to highlight. Uh, this next one, I'm a big fan of A twenty four, the studio. I've probably talked about them a lot. You know, they they do films that are really well-known among, like, the more indie circuits. Uh, last year, they had Waves and Uncut Gems and Midsommar, and 
I think that was it. Oh, The Lighthouse. Lighthouse, yeah. Uh, so they, they've done a lot of, you know, big kind of movies. Ex Machina is probably one of their bigger ones. Um, I know Noah Baumbach has done a couple films through them before. Mm-hmm. And the Safdie brothers and Robert Eggers did The Witch and, you know, The Lighthouse last year. Ari Aster did Hereditary. That's a big one. And then Midsommar yeah. last year as well. So they're pretty big on the horror side, but they basically just, uh, they either will buy an indie film from, you know, a film festival mm-hmm. and then, you know, they'll distribute it or they'll produce it with a director that, you know, they kind of trust, like the Safdies who had done a couple pictures before yeah. they did Good Time with A24. Uh, so yeah, I mean, they're a really, really good studio. I've pretty much not yet seen a movie that I don't like. Probably my least favorite one was Under the Silver Lake, which still had a lot of really good moments, and I still pretty much enjoyed that movie. Yeah. So even the ones that I am not thrilled about, I still appreciate and I still like. So check out more of A24's movies, but this one is called Tusk. It's super trippy, right up my alley. Kind of reminds me of like the human centipede meets uh, Sorry to Bother You <laughs> in a way. I mean, it's it's not quite as disturbing as Human Centipede. It's definitely more comedic. Um, but basically, so it's directed by Kevin Smith, who's famous for Clerks, Chasing Amy, a couple other movies. And, uh, you know, the Jay and Silent Bob stuff. He he has a podcast where I guess he'll just, like, pitch movies with his buddy all the time. I don't know. I just barely found out about this. Because that's what the movie is based on. They just started talking about, what if there was this guy who goes into the wilderness and he meets this psycho dude who wants to turn him into a walrus. <laughs> and so that's kind of the movie. And it's pretty weird. It's pretty disturbing and sad at times. I didn't love it as much as, you know, some other movies from A24, but it was super interesting. It's mm. creepy, disturbing, kind of unsettling. It stars um, Justin Long as the main guy and Michael Parks, who I know from Kill Bill, but he's a pretty famous actor from old days. Anyway, Tusk. Sweet. Uh, maybe one last one for me as we're kind of wrapping up. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Um, I watched, finally, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Um, this is one that a lot of people have heard of that are into movies, a lot, a lot more of the indie, low-budget, crappy horror movies. Uh, this is from the it's from 1959, and it's just notoriously bad. But the guy that made it, Edward um, D. Wood Jr., which there's actually a movie I want to watch, called Ed Wood, which stars uh, Tim Burton, or is it a... No, it's by it's Tim a, Burton, but it t- stars Tim Johnny Burton, Depp. stars Johnny Depp, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've been wanting to watch that for a while, because it's about uh, the story of Ed Wood. But he's a crazy... Uh, he's a crazy director. He, like, barely struggled to make films. He just re- really wanted to make films so bad that he kind of did whatever he could to put food on the table. At one point, he started making, like, porno movies and stuff because he just couldn't make any other movie. He couldn't fund stuff, couldn't feed his family, kind of in between things. Hmm. But Plan 9 from Outer Space is definitely not that. Um, <laughs> but it's like a sci-fi, science well, science fiction kind of horror at moments. It has some really good moments, but it's very, very low budget. There's times where you can literally see the string that's holding the UFO as it goes in front of a backdrop. Talk about special effects. Like, they're supposed to be able 
to draw you into the world and not you're not supposed to know it's happening as a special effect mm-hmm. and this is totally almost opposite of that at times but it's just a really interesting look at special effects and at low budget movies and at someone who against all odds made a movie and he used like cardboard for tombstones and he used like random people for actors he had like a bunch of random character actors that he just like it's just super interesting there's a documentary that is a good supplement along with it it's called flying saucers over hollywood the plan nine companion and i haven't totally finished that yet but it's a really good like gives you a bunch of info about ed wood and the making of this movie so yeah if you're interested in that kind of stuff uh it was it's pretty pretty interesting i didn't really love it but i always wanted to watch it so nice Got around to that one. Kind of reminds me of The Disaster Artist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is a movie about the making of The Room, which is the Johnny Wiseau or Tommy Wiseau movie that's like Plan 9, one of the worst movies yeah. of all time, you know, according to most people who've seen it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's crazy. Uh, and that one's also produced by A24, uh, The Disaster oh, Artist. Nice. Yeah. Stars James Franco and Dave Franco. All right, so my last one, All I'm right. going to cheat a little bit, and I'm going to do two. Okay. I think you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> uh, so I am kind of a big sucker for rom-coms. Uh, those, I mean, I don't like the cheesy ones so much. I like them when they're well done, but I do like them when they're good. That's one of my favorite mm-hmm. type of movies to see. And uh, there's a couple little Netflix movies. Uh, I think they were pretty big when they first came out, but have since fallen a little bit... Uh, to the wayside. <clears throat> uh, it's called To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Um, nice. And it stars Lana Condor as this girl who wrote love letters to five different guys that she kind of had a crush on uh, during her youth. And one day, those letters become sent to all those guys. Ooh. And uh, so it kind of... Uh, you know, she she's kind of a shy person. She kind of uh, stays under the radar, and um, these letters kind of thrust her more into the spotlight, cause a bunch of drama, but uh, she ends up, you know, finding some love through it, and it's really great. Nice. And then they made a sequel that came out this year called To All the Boys, P.S. I Still Love You. Uh, and it's a <laughs> sequel. It's a sequel. <laughs> nice. It's the second one, you know? Happens after the first one. Oh, sequel, eh? Yeah, kind of like a sequel. Anyway, <laughs> it's really good. They're both really good. I don't know which one I like more uh, because they both have their moments. But uh, Lana Condor, I think she's such a great actress. I'm excited to see, you know, what she decides to do next uh, with all this Netflix money <laughs> after <laughs> these two movies. I think they might make a third one. I wouldn't be surprised. But, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes the writing is pretty bad. <laughs> the dialogue is kind of cheesy, and some characters are, like, some actors are just not that great. But she is good enough that she kind of elevates the film and just totally carries it on her back for a while until the other actors start to kind of grow into uh, the movie. So they're really good. Cool. I would say pretty light entertainment, not too, you know, you don't have to really think too hard to pay attention too closely even though i always recommend paying attention (laughs) to movies but yeah cool those are my last ones so those are on netflix by the way so go check them out uh tusk is also on netflix and so is magnolia Um, wow nice netflix and out yeah i watched old boy on shutter 
it was my last day before I canceled my subscription. So I wanted <sighs> to see as much as I could in that day. And I, Old Boy was the last one. So, Epic. Um, I'm going to just give a few movies that I'm planning on watching. Ooh, a few nice. plans I have. Dude, with all this time here. Yeah. Like you said, watching those longer length movies. A couple I've been meaning to catch up on. Like I feel like I have a lot of blind spots in classic American cinema that's always talked about and referenced. Uh, a few of these are Shawshank Redemption, uh, Schindler's List, The Godfather, things like that that I've never seen. Uh, I wanted to watch Lawrence of Arabia, um, you know, some of those longer ones, and maybe I'll watch some other type of foreign films, more like Kurosawa that are usually like over two and a half hours, stuff like that. Uh, some Tarkovsky stuff that's over two hours, close to three, stuff like that. Um, it's a lot of pl- projects I'm working on with directors and things like that. But yeah, planning on watching some stuff like that, some classic American nice. type stuff. So yeah, anything I, you're covering on? Or? I have a big Netflix list, a big Amazon list, a big Hulu list, big Showtime mm-hmm. list. But um, I I pulled out off my shelf uh, a few of the movies that I own that I haven't watched yet. So I've got Mid-90s, Waves, The Informant, Do the Right Thing, The Last Temptation of Christ, um, New York, New York, and just a couple others that I can't think of off the top of my head. But yeah, yeah, they're just ones that I bought because I like the director or I like the studio, like a couple of them are A24, uh, or they're Criterion movies that I wanted to see, like Do the Right Thing. And so those are, you know, those are kind of waiting until the Wi-Fi connection gets really bad. (laughs) Yeah, same. I have definitely a group of those as well. But for now, I'm just kind of watching whatever I feel on Netflix and whatnot. Sweet. Cool. Yeah. um, Like always, let us know what you're watching. Give us feedback, five-star on iTunes, whatever. And um, yeah, we'll catch you next week when we talk about a movie that is to be determined at this point. Yeah, for sure. Sweet. All right. See you, bro. See ya. (laughs) 